This is your Planet News Briefing. I'm John Chu. And I'm Ralph Borgen. Our main story coming up is all about Planet of the Humans. We talk about this new documentary by film director Michael Moore and the controversy that surrounds it. But first, all your Planet News headlines for this week. In politics news this week, Independent reports that AOC joins Biden campaign as co-chair of Climate Change Task Force. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the youngest woman ever elected to to the U.S. House of Representatives and one of the most prominent progressive freshman Democrats in the country, is reportedly joining former Vice President Joe Biden's presidential campaign. So Mr. Biden has unveiled a sweeping climate plan that includes a $1.7 million federal investment in the country's 1.7 million? Yeah, 1.7 million. It doesn't sound like... Is it million? No, it's trillion. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I was going to say 1.7 million. It's not that much. Sorry, 1.7 trillion dollars in federal investment into the country's uh, clean energy future and environmental justice, uh, which would be paid for by rolling back tax incentives passed by current President Donald Trump. Wow. We definitely got to look into that further to see kind of what the details are. AOC for the win. (laughs) In businesses this week, Eddie.net reports chief value officers and ESG investors. What could green finance look like in the new normal? So uh, this is Delphine uh, Gibbizer. She's an, an associate professor of accounting for sustainable development at the Adencia Nantes School of Management. Uh, The focus on green finance could see today's chief financial officers, CFOs, move into the fledgling new role of chief value officer. Hmm. She states that new CFO is a CVO. And while they have a traditional accountant background, uh, much more of their team is focused on sustainability and what that means for finance. They no longer just have financial capital in mind. They have a 360 view and look through the lens of a multi-capital approach. I really yes. like that. I, yes. I think something to keep an eye out on. Um, yeah, definitely. And I mean, more relevant. Exactly. And I would, I would urge our listeners to listen to um, our ESG uh, episode to like hear more about this concept and hear more about the yeah, the actual, the kind of the sustainability versus finance stuff that, uh, that is happening right now. By the way, uh, yesterday I got some really good feedback about that episode, saying okay. that that was the best episode to date, and that Zoe Boy was the best um, guest that you can have on a podcast, just because yeah. she spoke so passionately, yeah. so much information, and so clear in the way that she was speaking. I, yeah. That's really positive. That's awesome. Shout out to Zoe. <laughs> Sorry, if you're listening thank you again it's such a great episode on esgs again uh that's last week's episode so those who haven't heard it go check it out it's awesome um so in tech news this week sky news reports that uh, microalgae study raises hopes of cure for bleaching that is killing coral so scientists have basically found a new way to make Oh, they have found a way, not new way. They found a way to make coral resistant to the impact of increasingly warm waters that has led to the destruction of about half of the world's uh, Great Barrier Reef. So researchers focused their efforts on the microalgae that live in the tissues of corals, which are expelled when 
sea temperatures rise due to climate change, turning the coral completely white, a phenomenon known, known as coral bleaching. So this, this uh, particular team removed the microalgae. They grew new strands and exposed them to warmer temperatures of about 31 degrees Celsius, which is about, about like 100 degrees Fahrenheit, I think it is, uh, for four years. So they found that all 10 heat evolved strains show increased tolerance to the elevated temperature and believe that the findings may help in the effort to restore coral reefs, which are being killed off by marine heat waves. So they're now planning uh, to test that the strains across a wider range of coral species. So this is really positive news. Yeah, this is kind of weird though, isn't I mean, at the same time, they're just making the coral reefs more resilient to hotter temperatures, right? <laughs> Yeah. So it's kind of weird. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll allow the, the temperature to get hotter. We'll just, but we'll still be able to keep the corals, which is extremely important for biodiversity and, and, and the oceans. But still, it's pretty funny. It just make yeah. it more resilient. Anyways, okay. Uh, in, science, in science this week, um, the BBC reports, study pours cold water on oil company net zero claims. So the research, research was done by uh, Transition Pathway Initiative. TPI. This is an investor-led group which investigates how companies are preparing for the move to a low-carbon economy. Um, and they state that you know the six large European corporations um, have taken big steps on CO2 recently, but the authors say that none of the companies are yet aligned with the 1.5 Celsius incre you know increase uh, temperature goal. Nice. This is uh, one that I know has dominated the headlines because obviously we review all the news throughout the week and this is one I kept seeing. So I'm glad you, you reported on it. Coming up, our main story. Film director Michael Moore's new documentary, Planet of the Humans. Very interesting documentary. Um, we both watched it separately and had a discussion on it already, but let's just go uh, give a quick background on, on on it and then talk about the criticism and some maybe some positive takeaways as well. Uh, so some background, uh, 2019 American environmental documentary uh, film that's written, directed and produced by Jeff Gibbs, but it is uh, backed and promoted by Michael Moore, who is very popular, very famous uh, filmmaker. So he is also the executive producer and he's known for Bowling for Columbine, Fahrenheit 9-11, Fahrenheit 11.9 as well, right? Um, about Donald Trump's rise and the all, mm. uh, yeah. But um, so uh, Michael Moore released uh, Planet of the Humans on YouTube for free viewing uh, April 21st. So that was just the day before the 50th anniversary of the first Earth Day, which we did a podcast episode on around that time, Earth Day. Um, so the basic claim of the film is that green energy cannot solve the basic problem of society's expanding resource consumption, which is by definition unsustainable, given that the earth is indeed finite. So the film argues that green energy sources, including wind power, solar, solar energy, and biomass especially, are not truly renewable or sustainable. So it's been widely, widely criticized for had a misleading and outdated commentary. Yeah, criticized by environmentalists, right? Yeah. So, interesting, what are some of these criticisms then, John? Yeah, so uh, the first of which is just simply poor journalism. So, 
uh, we mentioned outdated information and seemingly deliberate deliberately not acknowledging that it's outdated information thus appearing as if it is current so um, for mm-hmm. example um, in terms of scientific accuracy the film used footage of renewable energy industry um, scenes i guess that is up to a decade old talk about 10 years old just think about how much technology has changed in the past 10 years and how you know uh, the things that has progressed in terms of data then tech it just goes on and on but so basically it gives a false impression of the maturity of the technologies behind renewables as the last decade has seen a large cost reductions and innovation as i just mentioned so for example the documentary at one point show a solar panel with eight percent efficiency which is far below the typical 15 to 20 percent efficiency of currently installed solar panels and likewise um, and its criticism of electric vehicles uh, they gave an out of date example of the electricity mix that cars would use which is 95 percent coal which is not at all reflective of the current of the grid in 2020 so it just seems very deliberately misleading and using old information and you know what when i was watching it i i did kind of notice that the people and what they were wearing it just kind of feels like it's an early 2000s um <laughs> film and in my mind because i knew it was new like the the, the film was new i was say to myself okay well maybe they just dress like that over there in the u.s and that part of the country but no it's they're actually using old scenes wow good point yeah what about the biomass side because this so, is kind of where they start focusing in heavily don't they yeah yeah biomass was a big part of it so the documentary criticized the unsustainable practices and the use of it so uh which indeed is a concern amongst experts right um however the main antagonist if you will is environmentalist bill mckibben um and he's pretty well known as a environmentalist and respected um he has actually changed his position and his stance on biomass um, many, many years ago, uh, like four or five years ago at this point. And this was not acknowledged in the film at all, where, you know, it, 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 it did mention that at the end that people have changed their stance, but it is interesting to know that note that like that the stance had been changed for such a long time, right? Rather than oh, just okay. feeling like it was really recent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I didn't realize or remember, I guess, that they, they clarified that at the end. Um, but uh, basically, uh, you know, Bill McKibben, he, he indeed was unwise, I, I guess, um, before 2016, when he, he um, you know, he had, a diff- he had his previous position on biomass. Um, so he... I guess, you know, this 350.org, which I never heard of, um, the divestment campaign as well. Uh, he was walking a pretty tight rope uh, with, with the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what Michael Moore and Joe Gibbs really honed in on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, basically on the one hand, it's a campaign designed to close the fossil fuel industry down by redirecting big finance away from the sector. But on the other hand, uh, in industry investment in renewables is essential to meet the intended reducing energy share from fossil fuels. So success with the former depends, demands success from the latter. Um, 
and 350.org provided to stick government subsidies and the necessary carrot, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into this with traffic lights, I think, but what the things here is just, it's so, like the transition, if you think about like five years ago, the world was pretty different in terms of, uh, you know, climate change and, and climate crisis. This is, I definitely think this is a transition, right? Like there's a, there are things that you need to start transitioning people into that aren't the best solution at first, but at least it gets people then in that mindset. And so, yeah, maybe this is some of those things. It's hard to say. Yeah. 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 Anyways, what, what else is here in terms of the, the journalism point around McKibben? Yeah. So, I mean, as we mentioned, he's spoken out pretty strongly against bioenergy and biomass, uh, since, since that, you know, 2016 ish. Um, so some sort of an inclusion of this, uh, or more of an inclusion of it, more, you know, more obvious inclusion of it, instead of just having it at the very end, um, would have been more balanced and, you know, just better journalism and, you know, etiquettes around that, right? Um, so, so that's the point of poor journalism because of, you know, it seems like deliberate information of outdated information and deliberately withholding that fact that he's changed his position on it in a, in a really, you know, um, uh, significant way. Mm -hmm. And again, just to be, you know, just for, for this is the, like the biomass um, concept is literally just cutting down trees to burn for energy. Um, and I mean, yeah, you think of that as in terms of a renewable, that's this, you know, that's something that actually has been in the past and I, and currently is understood as a renewable source of energy uh, because, because trees go back faster than coal does, I guess, instead of, you know, instead of burning coal, you're burning trees. Um, but, you know, obviously that doesn't really sit well with, with people just because the fact that trees grow back after, you know, quite a long period of time. And because, you know, you're cutting down these, uh, this, this biodiversity, you know, which causes a lot of problems we've, we've, we understand. So, but that's the idea that, you know, this is, this bot, this, um, uh, this, this kind of way of, of renewable energy is being kind of pushed out of the, of the conversation, which is probably a good thing. Yeah. So how do you summarize the critiques? I mean, it's been a lot more critiques out there that summarize in articles and there are positives, which we'll, we'll get into in a moment, but um, how do you summarize the, the critiques basically? Yeah. So basically the, the summarization of the complete of the critiques is that, um, you know, gives it in, uh, the filmmaker just kind of puts it into a, a light of of um, kind of almost panic or despair really around the industry around um, about renewables including wind solar and you know that that it's just it's almost like it's not it's not worth it right it's almost like it's not it's not we don't want to pursue it further you know but when, when in reality that you know there's been so many breakthroughs in efficiency uh, and, and solar um, and wind. So just approaching, you know, a new order of magnitude of higher efficiencies and, and decline in resources demand to, to put these together. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a weird kind of sight to see, essentially. Yeah, that's kind of Michael Moore's style, isn't it? Like the world's yeah. ending. He's just such a, yeah. you know. <laughs> and it's instantly. obviously like, it's always like a strong point of view to start a conversation, which actually I do like that part of it. Yeah, let's, uh, I'll, I'll get into that in the track yeah. as well. I, I do like that element of it. But so well, 
there's there, there's another critique, so to speak, that um, that I want to talk about is just basically the general hopelessness um, as a takeaway from the documentary. Um, right. So the seeming failure of both you know the renewables industry and the half century old environmental movement uh, to mm. make any meaningful headway in safeguarding the earth um, has basically right. you know gives to the film's concluding position of sheer hopelessness, yeah. and that's just you know like how could you end it like that um you know i i guess it's sort of on course with what all of michael moore's work is i just realized after watching this one mm -hmm. but, uh, you know but the reality is uh there's been some miracles in terms of breakthroughs and efficiencies that have actually been achieved in the last decade in terms of solar and wind energy um i mean we're both both types of energy are approaching an order of magnitude of higher efficiencies and and or uh, declining uh, resource demand. And it's, it's interesting with the current COVID-19 environment um, and the dependency on oil and, and how that's been a bit, um, you know, turmoil, but uh, renewable energies have remained steady. In fact, it's grown because it's not so reliant on, you know, like as many third parties, so to speak, like different nations. And, you know, it's just coming in through the wind or the sun, so it's it's remained pretty static. Whereas you know other sources, it's been a bit more inconsistent and a bit more uncertain, right? Mm. True. So what about you know what about good things coming from this film? Yeah. So um, you know I've talked about consumption and overpopulation um, many times. I think that's something that such a big contributor to climate change. Um, so they do talk about consumption, uh, be it not as much as, for example, biomass, but the film's conclusion uh, was that overproduction and overconsumption and, and to a lesser extent overpopulation as well, right, um, are the real drivers. Um, and it's mostly true to say that both mainstream environmental groups and political think tanks have shied away from expressing mm -hmm. this fundamental truth, um, you know, preferring instead to talk about or focus on positive messages of renewables. So this is actually a really, really critical point. Um, yeah, a good point around that is like, I've been looking at a lot of these like direct consumer brands as well. And one thing about new retail, they're talking about, okay, you'll almost, a, a really good thing to have is, is an end of life plan. So you need to have, you need to understand the full cycle of your product, right? So what happens when you're when you have an end of life of, of your shoes you have to build in processes so the consumer can can like provide them back to you and you can help create a sustainable recycling program or something for example yeah so really yeah. interesting concepts around that yeah i i would have loved to hear a lot more about overpopulation and consumption mm -hmm. and the growing middle class and you know like getting certain third world countries, their economies up to par with some of the more advanced ones, you know, they, it's not fair to kind of limit their growth um, because of a dying or suffering environment and climate. So how do we balance that, you know, growing economies and, you know, improving uh, ways of living for these less off countries, um, but at the same time, you know, limiting the negative impacts of the environment um, and just the overpopulation thing is such an obvious thing, but it's so hard to, to try to control that. Um, I mean, so many people out there and, and it's, it's growing and it's a finite 
it's it's Earth's got finite resources. You know, um, we, we talked about in our water uh, episode um, how you know um, all the water in, on Earth has always been there since the beginning. Like we've never been able to produce new water, <laughs> um, and and it, yeah, so overpopulation and therefore overconsumption is something that I thought could be discussed more, but they did mention it. So that's why it is a good thing. Um, another good thing is that they talk about corporates quite a bit, which is um, good because a lot of corporations, uh, they are a bit complicit in terms of, uh, you know, environmental groups and, and their work with them and, and their, their stance on it. Um, so lots of false hopes, um, social, uh, uh, responsibility, um, you know, like, um, uh, what's it called when, when you have, uh, when you, um, give off the impression that you have good corporate social responsibility, greenwashing, right? Yeah, greenwashing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. And then, I mean, the last two are obviously kind of wake up call and, and, a, and, a, and a good rallying of debate, right? Yeah. Just because like now it's almost like the, uh, you know, all news is good news uh, in the sense that, yeah, people, you know, it gets people talking about this and it gets, you know, excitement around the concept. Um, this is stirred up. Obviously we look at this, we look at, you know, climate crisis news every week. Right. And this has stirred up the most news since the COVID-19, uh, right? Because that's been the only thing in the news. This actually hit during the coronavirus and has, has made a pop in, and discussion around climate crisis. So, you know, that's, I, I call that a win actually, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of our news research, uh, we've seen all the COVID related stuff. Uh, this is this is actually independent from that. Um, I mean, it was May 2019, so it was, it was definitely before COVID, but uh, it was interesting um, just to see all of the, the responses this week. Yeah, um, so what about the producers? What has their response been? to this criticism yeah you know i mean we, we're trying to practice journalism in an appropriate way so we're trying to you know give everybody the, the good the bad and you know it's only fair to yeah so we, we got on the phone with michael moore and talked to them about it no. <laughs> yeah yeah so michael moore told us uh, no he didn't so so basically moore gives and um and ozzy zenner i suppose is uh one of the people behind it as well uh, responded to the critics um and Gibbs basically said, this is quote, we don't attack environmental leaders. We need environmental leaders. Uh, he also said, we, we went to great pains to show you what's happening in the field of solar and wind. And many of our experts are in the solar and wind industry. So basically uh, summarizing his primary intent for making the movie. Uh, he then goes on to say, I wanted to spark a holistic discussion about all the things we humans are doing and whether these green technologies were even going to solve climate change, let alone all the other things happening around the planet. Interesting. Um, and then also, um, it's important to note that um, uh, he then said, um, what did he say? We merely pointed out as there were, as there was a UN study that came out one or two years ago that just points out that the doubling of our human numbers and quadrupling of our human economy is the prime driver of extinction of this planet. Um, and then he goes, is the UN favoring, you know, population control? No. Uh, 
yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's good to, to kind of get that, get that out there as well, just to be fair. Right. Um, Jeff Gibbs also said that the film is designed to prompt discussion. So he reiterated that and debate, which we, we do agree is positive beyond the narrow issues of climate change and to look at the overall health of uh, the overall human impact on the environment, including issues like human overpopulation, the contemporary extinction of crisis, and, you know, in which half of wildlife has disappeared in the last 40 years. That's wild. Half of wildlife has disappeared in the last 40 years and whether green technology uh, can solve these issues. Fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. Yeah, I mean, all in all, go watch it. It's on YouTube, it's free. Go watch it, see what your thoughts are. Um, obviously take it with a grain of salt because you know, if, you've, if you've heard this, that gives you that grain of salt. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, go watch it and, and see for yourself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you're, you know, a lot of people in the industry are like, don't watch it, you know, it's, it's spreading false information, no. but I, I disagree with that. I, I think you need to watch and come to your own conclusion because there are good points that are made there. Um, even if the information is outdated, like that's what people should do their research on. They should listen to our podcast and <laughs> 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 decide of it. And then maybe yeah. they'll conclude, all right, you know, back then it was this bad and now it's much better. Sure. Yeah. That, or yeah, just give you another lens of it. Keep, keep the debate going. Um, don't just, listen to that one source and you know make that your only your that's your you know final decision right yeah so yeah let's talk about traffic lights then um for me big red here is they never talked about anything about um about fission right so fission uh is the is the nice word for nuclear because everybody's so afraid of that word nuclear but it's such a such a renewable uh concept and again this is another thing where talk about fission technology, fission meaning, you know, the splitting of atoms, that's what nuclear does to create energy. Um, that technology now is so much more advanced than what you've seen in terms of the, the, uh, you know, the cataclysmic events in the past, because those are, that's technology from like the seventies and stuff, right. With these, these meltdowns of nuclear plants. So, it's an interesting concept where they don't they don't even touch it um, and probably because they just don't want to open that can of worms <laughs> but it is a concept that if you look at others like even uh, bill gates has looked into trying to produce some hot really really new technology around nuclear because of climate crisis um, they actually were trying to, to they almost almost had a trial run in china actually um, because they couldn't get one done in the u.s nobody was wanting it and they had a trial run already in china uh, because they understand understands that it's a big part of the future, and they're willing to to do this to to do advancements. However, uh, it got blocked because of um, the China U.S. trade deals. So super interesting in that re in that respect. But yeah, I, I'm I'm sad they didn't talk about that. I think it's, it needs to be concluded in the debate. The yellow for me is. Um, they didn't talk anything about like payoff periods, right? So they, they keep saying that, okay, wind and solar is expensive in terms of, yeah, it takes, it takes mining. It takes, you know, heavy uh, industry to, to make steel and stuff. Like we've talked about innovations in the past that, yeah, they're looking, they're, people are looking into how to create steel in a more sustainable way, all of this stuff, you know, more efficiencies. And yes, it's going to take a lot of carbon to create a huge windmill, but in terms of, you know, even 10 years ago and 
compared to today? What is the payoff period of that? How long do you have to have that windmill going before it off, you know, before it ought not? Like the concept of offset, yeah, how does it, how long do you have to have it standing before uh, it's actually a net positive for carbon versus some sort of coal uh, burning energy? And then how long, what is the life period of that, that windmill? So, I mean, you can, you can actually do the math on this stuff and determine if this is actually a net positive. They don't talk about that at all. They don't look at that at all. All they say is, oh, look, this windmill, you know, takes a lot of energy to produce the steel. Well, yeah, no shit, but there's, you know, there's always going to be capital that needs to go into to producing something innovative and, and hopefully down the line, net positive, right? So that's frustrating. Yeah. Green for me, though, is the debate, right? This is, we've been continuously saying this, like, it makes so much sense to have a, a strong opinion in, in one way to allow uh, conversation about it. So I think that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. Now just, just to add on to your yellow, um, the point I kept thinking about was what is the alternative, right? The alternative is business as usual and that's not working. So mm-hmm. if people are trying to be innovative and try to think of solutions and things will scale and things will get better. Um, once more people put their minds together and resources and investments, right? Um, yep. it's just a natural process. Um, yeah. So, uh, my traffic lights, my red is simply inaccurate facts um, and aligning that with a huge reach. So Michael Moore and, and team, they put it free on YouTube. And by the way, it's free for the next 30 days or less than 30 days now. Um, uh, and then I guess it's going to be a pay thing somehow. Uh, but they have such a huge reach and spreading inaccurate facts is so dangerous. Um, so uh, it's, it's already got more than 6 million views on YouTube. and. Um, the film does not directly deny climate science, um, but it you know promotes the discredited myths that deniers have used for years to justify their position. So, you know, this 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 red is also because they're helping the climate deniers, you know, with a platform, and you know these people are rejoicing now. <laughs> um, my y- yellow is uh, yes, you know people. Even a film genius like Michael Moore, which generally I, you know, I do like him and his work, but people make mistakes, and I think he should categorize this as a mistake, admit it, apologize, and mm-hmm. then actually, you know what, do a sequel, make it right, because mm-hmm. I, you know, with with his talent and his resources, he could make something really, really good, um, to to you know, something that's more up to date instead of, you know, film that's largely out of dated about mm. the mass of someone's opinion, uh, you know, McKibben's opinion from years ago and less about overconsumption and population. You know, I think he would do a good job with a documentary focus on that. Um, and my green, you mentioned this, uh, any publicity is good publicity. So mm-hmm. the very fact that we're talking about this and people are listening to us talk about it, hopefully we'll go and do their research and, um, and, you know, have no positions in terms of the debate. And I think that the net outcome of all of this is that, you know, just because it's going to be front of mind and, you know, I, I think that people will find it, you know, find, find their voice and then make a difference somehow. Um, you know, they'll, they'll learn about the climate and they'll want to fix it. Yeah. Nice. And that is this week's your planet news briefing.
I'm Ralph Warden. I'm John Chu. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.